0: Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Side of the Storm. My name is Evan Westling, and I am joined alongside my co-host, Mr. Brandon Ness, as we are here to preview, um, well, a must-win game for Iowa State. Uh, we've been saying that for the past couple weeks now, but this is officially must-win territory, um, as Iowa State welcomes West Virginia into town for homecoming. Um, but, yeah, I guess just to start it off, short recap, very short recap, of the Oklahoma game. Uh last week as Iowa State dropped it 27 to 13 getting them down to 3 and 5 overall and 0 and 5 in the Big 12 conference. Um I mean I think the phrase that's circling around Iowa State at this point is new week same revo- same result. Yeah, it's been a lot of the same. I
1: think both offensively and defensively, obviously the defensive side is what's holding up their end of the deal and keeping us in games and then offense and special teams is unfortunately making big mistakes at crucial times and that's kind of costing us the games it's not necessarily that we're getting blown out or anything it's just we're within a score or two in every game and can't figure out a way to win games and the biggest thing is just scoring points at this point
0: yeah definitely um but moving on to the opponent as I said Iowa State's playing West Virginia this weekend they are three and five and one and four in the Big 12 Um, And this is the battle for last place. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) Um, Loser takes sole possession of last place. Um, Winner has the tiebreaker, at least. So, winner's ninth place. So, you know, get a dub. Not only is it a potential get our hopes up for a bowl game, but also, uh, hey, at least you're not last place. For now, at least.
1: Yep, and we're kind of in the position of moral victories at this point. (laughs) I think expectations have been... Dampered a little bit, rightfully so.
0: I it's weird to say that an expectation was a bowl game. I mean, at the end of the day, it is an expectation, but it's just weird to think that, you know, that was almost too much. Weirdly,
1: yeah, it's been a complete roller coaster of a season. I mean, after the first three games, you're sitting you thought here. Thought this team
0: could win nine games, probably yeah,
1: right. You're sitting here thinking, oh man, we could make the Big Twelve championship game. Well, lose five in a row, it's gonna damper you a little bit so now we're in this position where if you win this game you could have neil brown fired this week
0: hey at least one positive thing they can look at thank god neil brown wasn't fired before our game because we always seem to get the interim coach in his first week and we'll play some random quarterback and they'll add us up (coughs) texas tech um but no that I honestly thank God Neil Brown wasn't fired this week.
1: Yeah, definitely. The whole interim situation just brings about so many question marks that you don't know how to answer until really the first quarter, and that's why we saw us get down 28-7 last year. Yeah. So, yeah, it's a really good thing that didn't happen. That being said, West Virginia has a a lot to play for, even if they are in last place in the conference as their coach is fighting for his job.
0: Yeah. Um, but going on to, you know, how West Virginia's fared this season, um, like I said, they're one and four and that lone conference win was a shocking forty three thirty 30 sorry, forty three forty uh Thursday night win in Morgantown over Baylor. Um now I do think if Shapin didn't get knocked out of that game, West Virginia's also probably owned five, but you know, at the end of they won and I'd be dying for a situation like that right now. Um and then there are other four games um, the Big 12 that have resulted in losses have honestly been a mix of bad, really bad, and just heartbreaking. The bad was 38-20 to Texas. The really, really bad was 48-10 to to Texas Tech. And then just the heartbreakers was 55-42 to Kansas in double overtime through a pick six on that second drive. Um, and then they had a shot to beat the number one team in the Big 12 as of right now, um, TCU. They lost that one 41-31. Um, so, you know, they've had their mix of they've been in games and some have been really, really ugly. So, I mean, the Big 12, uh, I was listening to um, Chris Williams and Brent Brent Bloom's podcast today, and uh, Chris was able to talk to the new Big 12 commissioner, and he just kind of went on about – I don't think it was – no, I'm getting mixed up. It was just something about – someone said Big 12 might be the most unpredictable conference they've ever guessed in their life, and that's very true.
1: Yeah, it's really accurate. Any team can win on any week, and unfortunately that puts a team like Iowa State in a bad position where you really need to pick up a game here or there and just get the ball rolling a little bit. And unfortunately you don't have a team like Kansas that can boost that for you and try to get some things on the right track it's really just a complete meat grinder and you're not getting a break at this point in the season.
0: No, not at all. Um, but yeah, outside of uh, the one game, uh, Tech, where they've only put up 10, um, it's been the opposite of Iowa State. It's the offense that's kept them in the games and the defense has hurt them. So we'll start with the offense. They're led by, well, first off, they're putting up 436 yards a game and 34 points a game. They're led by the two-time transfer quarterback, JT Daniels, Obviously started at USC, transferred to Georgia. Now he's at West Virginia. That's a a downgrade. (laughs) He moves
1: around a lot. Yeah. And he's kind of a negative result of the transfer portal, which doesn't get talked about as much as the positive side. It's kind of the the grass isn't always greener on the other side, right? You know what I mean? Yeah, and he's experienced that twice now, um, and he's still not finding a ton of success. He's a lot like Deckers where he has – some flashy plays here and there, but he also makes a lot of mistakes and at times it can cost the team the game.
0: Yeah. Um but on the season he's thrown for 1961 yards for 12 touchdowns and then he has seven picks. So honestly, pretty similar to Decker's. The um Decker's has about 200 more yards. Um, and then Decker says two more touchdowns, but three more picks. So it's it's really similar in production, if we're being honest, uh, between the two quarterbacks. Yeah, and the difference there
1: is West Virginia is able to run the ball. See, so they're not as one-dimensional as Iowa State is. Mm-hmm. So everything opens up a little bit more. They have one really good weapon, weapon on the outside, and then yeah. their offensive line can hold up a little better, we think, than Iowa State's can. So... It really just opens up the things for their offense and that's what's
0: keeping them in games like you said uh yeah but as we go to the run game um and you just hit on it it's been a solid reason why they've been able to have a successful offense they have a very good passing game and I would believe to say Iowa State has the pieces to have a strong passing game I I think again we've talked about this a lot and it's a broken record and honestly anyone podcasting about Iowa State, writing about Iowa State, it's just a broken record across the fan base. When you can't run the ball, you can't be successful on offense. So, But West Virginia's done a good job of that as they're led by C.J. Donaldson who's listed at the tight end as a tight end. Um, I, re- I haven't watched a whole lot of West Virginia, but I did watch the Pitt game and he was that big number 12, just big body, just was better than all their running backs and he was just, I don't know, it was it's weird, but he's their leading rusher. He's got 526 yards and 8 touchdowns on 87 carries. Weird player that he's the running back. Um, I don't know. I can look real quick to see if he gets a lot in the passing game. Anything that works in the running
1: game, we'd kill to have at this point. So even yeah. if it is some tight end fullback combination and you throw him out there, I mean, when you have a power guy back there, it's effective even if you just get three or four yards of carry. Yeah.
0: Um, He's only got nine catches for 27 yards in the year from receiving. So, um, again, I haven't watched a whole lot of West Virginia, but I'm sure he's probably been converted to running back at this point, just listed as tight end on ESPN for the year. But um, their other back, uh, he's done pretty well, more of a true running back, is Tony Mathis. He's got 492 yards uh, and five touchdowns on 99 carries. So, a nice dual threat. Nice, nice 1-2 punch kind of backs uh for West Virginia, but as Brandon noted not so long ago, they've got really one main receiving threat and that's uh Bryce Ford Wheaton. He's got 48 catches for 567 yards and five touchdowns. Um really really good player. A lot of people are only going to remember him from the drop that led to the pit 6. But uh <laughs> uh he he's he's a he's a really athletic player. Um but I do have a feeling he's going to get locked down by someone who wears number two.
1: Yeah, definitely. I think Iowa State secondary has been locking down the passing game of opponents for really the entire year. You look at last week as the best example, and it's just one broken play that Oklahoma gets a long touchdown on. And other than that, it's just here or there, a couple deep shots by K-State, and really nothing out of that other than, uh, seven points, and then so I mean, it's not really a big concern. It the defense is going to do its thing in this game. I don't expect anything to really change. West Virginia doesn't seem like the team that's going to have some elite game
0: plan to break Iowa State's defense. No, and I mean this is a little off kilter for West Virginia. I promise I'll get back to you quick. I just I don't I can't remember if we made a note of this in the OU recap. I know we brought up that this is potentially the best defense Haycock's ever had, but Without a doubt, uh, I think it's very fair to say this is by far and away the best secondary Iowa State's ever had. Just over, I mean, it's not even close. Two absolute lockdown corners. TJ's an NFL guy, in my opinion. Bowles a great tackler. Anthony Johnson is Anthony Johnson. Um, Jeremiah Cooper's playing really well as a true freshman. Um, Purchase is way overlooked as a yeah. secondary guy out there. I mean, how, I mean, you're just not really seeing them completing stuff, and if it is, it it just feels. It's little dink and dunks. They're never hitting anything. They hit those those intermediate routes every now or the deep crossers, but that's not even necessarily on the corners because it's a zone coverage. I mean, considering what these corners have done in man, it's been you can't ask anything more from the secondary uh, for Iowa State. But yeah, I mean, pretty much
1: everything in the passing game for the opponent is over the middle, and that's because guys like Tampa and Purchase are just locking down their side of the field, and then you get to the linebackers and they're. A little bit more unpredictable in the passing game and part of that is most teams are just running at you at this point especially when you have three down as your go-to set on defense so yeah. I think really it's just on the defensive side the only thing that I'd really like to see is Reeder getting back because that helps dramatically in the run game mm-hmm. uh, I'm not really sure what his status is but that's going to be a big difference he's an elite inside run stopper And although teams are running outside on Iowa State a lot, he's experienced enough to kind of be the field general in that middle spot of the field.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, But a couple other receivers to note that they've been pretty productive this year. Productive. Uh, Sam Jones and Caden uh, Prather. Jones has 35 catches for 496 yards and two touchdowns. And then Prather has 44 catches for 428 yards and three touchdowns. So, again, it's a really effective offense. They're going to spread the wealth. Um, but like like we mentioned, Ford Wheaton is without a doubt Daniel's favorite target, um, and he's really solid. But uh, that's the West Virginia offense. And then as I noted earlier, the West Virginia offense has been the reason that they've had a shot in most games. Uh, so the defense has really been struggling and is a big reason as to why they're 3-5 and on the year. Uh, they're letting up 417 yards and 35 points a game. Uh so definitely I don't know if that's last place in the Big 12 but that's really that's got to be near the bottom. Yeah. Um it's not been great. Uh the the defensive unit is le- uh, at least the one leading in tackles uh is linebacker Lee Kapoga. I think that's right. He's got 54 tackles and two sacks. So he's the leading tackler on the team. And then behind him are defensive back Aubrey Burks and safety Hershey McLaurin. Burks has 39 tackles, a sack, one pass breakup, and a pick. And then McLaurin's got 35 tackles and a pass breakup. So those are their three main tacklers. Looks like you've got a solid guy at all levels with a linebacker, a DB, and a safety. Um, And then statistically, he's maybe not the leader, but without a doubt the leader in the heart and soul of the defense, potentially the West Virginia is interior D-lineman Dante Stills, him and his brother. His brother's gone, but the he's been there for a long time, and he's been the cornerstone of that defense and has been a huge captain and leader for the West Virginia program for a couple of years now. Yeah, and obviously if you're tuning into the broadcast this Saturday,
1: you're going to hear his name a lot. Yeah. I think he's just an elite run stopper at that defensive tackle position, and he's a game changer in the pass game as well. So. He's somebody that you're really going to have to scheme against, and hopefully our interior offensive lineman can try to conserve his um, game plan as much as possible.
0: Yeah. Um, But that's the West Virginia preview for you guys. Uh, Quickly moving on to injuries, we'll start with Iowa State. Again, it's just question marks. You're always going to have that at Iowa State. Um, But the two main ones you've got to keep asking are J.R.L. Brock and Colby Reeder. At this point, I think it's more than fair to to take Norton off the list. I think he's he looks good to go. He looks pretty a hundred. It doesn't seem like they're game planning away from him like they are with no. Brock. You can tell Brock is still only there for pass protection. Sure, he has eleven carries, but it's just you know if you if he never runs the ball, but you bring him in and it's a pass every single time. A coach will see that and you completely pass commit on those situations when you do that so you have to give him carries um, but he's been saying this since the k-state game that he's mainly been in there for pass protection so he's still one that you gotta have a question mark on he's not 100 he does not have the burst that he had in the first four games of the year um and then secondly you mentioned this not too long ago but colby reader still don't really know his status um, I think I feel like Will McLaughlin and Carson Willich, both true freshmen, have done pretty good job at filling in. Um, they bring more of that speed, but at the same time, it's hard to lose someone who's played as much college football as Colby Reader. Yeah, and they're
1: kind of different linebackers than Colby is. Colby is more of a running guy, and that's going to be the main focus of the defense to this point. Uh, the biggest thing I'm seeing from the true freshman out there at linebacker is just the little intermediate routes over the middle for the opponent. And that's really the biggest thing that Iowa State's giving up on the defensive side of things, and that really just comes down to the linebackers as the corners are locked down, the safeties are locked down for the most part. So I don't really expect Reader to be at 100%, and that's going to make a big difference, but... Ultimately, they're playing well enough, and the defense is
0: giving the offense a shot to win every game. Yeah. Um, But then going to West Virginia real quick, uh, this one was a – I didn't know this, but running back Tony Mathis is questionable with a knee injury. So they're still going to have Donaldson, who's the power back, tight end, whatever you want to call him, good to go. So they're not going to drop off hugely, but it definitely does take away the RB2 and a change of pace. If he isn't good to go, and then tight end Mike, um, oh, O'Laughlin, I'm gonna go with. Um, he's out for the year with a knee injury. Uh, he's been out for a couple weeks now, but um, you know it definitely takes away um, part of the game. When let's see here, he had oh well, he only had five catches for 66 yards, but I feel like I remember seeing him a lot in that pick game. Am I might.
1: Yeah, I think he definitely showed up more. But, I don't know, he's not the major part of their game plan against no, Iowa it's, State. it's, it's not a huge game Ultimately, changer. Iowa State kind of controls its own destiny. This game, if you run the ball well, then you're going to put yourself in the,
0: in the shot to win the game. If
1: you don't, it's going to be the same story as the last five weeks.
0: Yeah. Um, but moving on to the keys of the game, um, I'll start with my first one. Um, it's just make life easier for Hunter deckers Now... Really there's a my third key is the main reason to make life easier and I'm sure if you guys have been listening or just, you know, Twitter, following on Twitter, not, not 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 specifically us, just Iowa State Twitter. If you're on Iowa State Twitter, you're gonna know this or you don't even have to be on Twitter. If you've watched Iowa State you'll you'll understand the third point of the game, you can my third key to the game, you can probably guess it. But um just the main thing for me is make it easier for deckers. I feel like part of the reason they took those couple steps forward against Texas was they moved him out of the pocket and they made design plays to his left side. Obviously with, with him being a lefty quarterback, they designed a lot of plays rollouts to the left or just moving the pocket left and having him throw on the run and giving him a little extra time. We know the offensive line has struggled. So if you can find any way to extend the pocket, extend the play, um, It worked really well versus Texas, and even a couple times late in the game against Oklahoma, they used it every now and then, and it worked. So I'm just hoping they continue to utilize moving him out of the pocket because that seems to be where his strength is right now. He's getting a little happy fee. Um, Again, his pocket presence still has been a little shaky this year. So you know, I I just think they really need to move him out of the pocket and – Try to help make life a little easier if a certain part of the game can't get going.
1: Yep. I think I'm probably gonna hit on your third key of the game and that's <laughs> yeah. just a consistent run game. Yeah. It's the most obvious thing going forward for Iowa State if you wanna win games is you have to run for over hundred yards a game. I think right now we're sitting at about ninety seven. You're not gonna win any games doing that. That's not No. That's the consistent part of your offense, especially with a first year quarterback, you're not gonna win the game throwing fifty seven times a game. Yeah. I think that's the really the biggest thing and if that doesn't happen i don't think any of the other keys really matter but going forward i'm gonna agree with you on what you just said which is using deckers outside of the pocket and my biggest thing is just scrambling in the unscripted plays it doesn't necessarily have to be a read option but when Mm -hmm. he sees space up the middle you have to run
0: yeah uh moving on to my well all right, hold on. Before I move on to the second one, this is just something I kind of thought about. But when in terms of making life easier for him, this kind of, I guess it's a two-parter. Really making life easier could may have been my third point of the game. I felt like, you know, my third point is the most important as you just hit on, you know, running the ball. But design to decker's strengths and i don't necessarily mean a lot of deep shots but if you want to talk about making life easier the run game is struggled we know that so play to your personnel stanley jet sweep stanley did i say stanley first time yeah okay sorry stanley and Noll. yeah jet sweeps every now and then um just outside stuff stretches or outside tosses to silas even need to It's just design your plays around Decker's strengths. There's a big enough sample size to understand what he's been struggling with and what he hasn't been comfortable with. So and you've seen the stuff that he's been comfortable with and you make it work. I understand that there's a risk in running your quarterback, but he when he's ran the ball, it's been really successful basically all year long. So I just think this really plays off making life, life easier for Deckers. You need to scheme around what he's comfortable with, because right now he has not been comfortable the last couple games. In Texas, he looked a lot better, but I can tell you, last weekend there was just—I mean, Brent Venables had, who was a really good, whether or not his defense has been really bad this year. He, at the end of the day, he's still a defensive-minded guy. And he had two weeks to prepare to make the Packers feel like the most uncomfortable quarterback in the country, and he did that. Absolutely, and I think you hit it right on the head there. It's The running game needs to be there, and
1: that's number one on how you make his life easier. And the most frustrating thing for the running game coming out of this game against Oklahoma was just the same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. You see Oklahoma going to jet sweeps, going to tosses, going to speed option, and we don't see any of that out of Iowa State. It's just inside run game right to the guard position, that hasn't been there, ever in Iowa State's history. No. So, as much as I'd like to see change, I'm not gonna. I'm not sure we're gonna see it, but just no. a couple of different wrinkles in the run game can go a long ways, and that could be anything
0: from a jet sweep to QB power with a six four quarterback. Yeah. Or even third and one. This is this is the biggest no in Iowa State, especially under Campbell. A QB sneak on short down distance. I mean, uh, we did see an under center run, against, play action, under center play action. Oh, it was a play action. You know, it's okay. funny because we're we were you know at the game sitting next to each other, and the big thing that you know I've seen tweets on this on Twitter about this on Twitter, and Brandon's brought this up a couple times, but it was you know you beat Iowa, but at what cost? Because you became Iowa, and Brandon was losing his mind because. We can't score the ball. And then he saw under center play action. He's like, oh, my God, we are the Iowa Hawkeyes. We have literally become Iowa. Uh, and that was just – that That was really funny. So I just thought – bring that up. But um, we'll move on to my second one. You could also kind of make this a two-parter in a different sense. But I think this is something that maybe we haven't talked about a lot or maybe a lot of people haven't. We need to start winning in the red zone. At the end of the day, your offense has struggled to – score points and maybe the one of the biggest reasons for that is because they aren't putting it in the end zone if they're scoring touchdowns they're not in the red zone they're you know they're deeper plays that have just gotten there or even if it is the red zone it's you're at the 20 yard line and you get a 20 yard strike it, you never see them inside the 10-score touchdown, I feel like. I, I don't know the last time that happened. Yeah, it's definitely not consistent enough going forward to win games. I mean, when they're struggling already to score points, stalling out is a bigger issue because they've had some pretty good drives. I mean, look at the drive. It was after Oklahoma went up 3 nothing, drove right down the field, and then the second they got to the 10-yard line, pfft. I mean... <laughs> They, I think that's been a maybe something that we haven't talked about enough or not enough people have talked about. They need to start scoring touchdowns in the red zone because at the end of the day, when you have an offense struggling this much to move the ball, when you're in scoring position, obviously I want points more than anything, but you need to start getting seven instead of three.
1: Yeah, I mean, definitely that's crucial. You see the writing on the wall when you get to the 20, stall out, field goal, mm-hmm. and... As soon as you see it, it's 10-9 versus K-State. And that's a situation where one of those times in the red zone, you need to make a play. And we saw was Noles' touchdown against Oklahoma in the red zone. It's like a 14-yarder. I know it was on, like, fourth and 12. Yeah, you keep
0: talking. I'll pull it up real quick. It's one
1: of those situations where, first of all, you don't want to get to fourth down when you need to make a play. But those were the plays that we made, so that's interesting. And going forward in the red zone, it's – That relies on a run game that we don't have unfortunately. In in the past it's been Chase Allen, Charlie Kohler in the end zone, while we don't have the tight ends that can make plays. Yeah. So that's when it becomes unfortunate and you don't have a reliable offense outside of the red zone, let alone when the field is condensed and you're only playing with thirty yards versus seventy.
0: Yeah, it was a fifteen yarder, so I mean again, it was fourth and twelve, but it was it was a fifteen yarder, so that is scoring in the red zone, yes. But, again, that's not... Not traditional. No. Um, You know, I feel like they did a really good job against Texas. I mean, they had the third and goal wide open. A great scheme that got Noel wide open. Um, I'm trying to think of the other touchdowns in that game. Um, Noel had one really long one, but then like they had one close too oh it was the Decker's well that again it was an 11 yard Decker's scramble or something I don't know
1: and it's unscripted so it's not like you're scheming your way into the end zone it's just a random play that breaks down and he finds a way in which is what we need to see more of but
0: at the same time that's not sustainable going forward yeah um but I yeah just especially once you're inside the 10 they need to consistently find a way in the end zone Uh, And this is very similar in a sense. and Like I said, this is a little bit of a two-parter. But also, we need to stop getting behind the sticks. It feels almost any time there's any spark offensively, which has been really hard to come by, there's a hold, a false start, some kind of penalty, sack, or a third and one negative 14-yard snap over the head. It's just... They find a way to get behind the sticks, and it sh- they just shoot any momentum that they've generated, which has, like I said, been extremely hard to come by.
1: Yeah, it's not necessarily that they're even getting, I guess they are getting behind the sticks, but it's a lot of times they get a big first down, and just somebody nothing. doesn't magically, magically get injured for the other team, we go tempo just to run it to the guard yeah. for zero. It's the same thing every time. And it's been that way. It's not that just this year. This has been a complaint that I've had for four or five years now. Mm-hmm. And in the past, we've had teams that can overcome things like that and can make chunk plays. But, yeah, I don't know. When you get behind the sticks and you're relying on a more air raid style to get you out of that, it's not going to work most of the times. And that's when you get into situations where you have to convert a 4th and 10, a
0: 4th and 12 on back-to-back series. Yeah, no doubt. Um, my last one, I've you know, it's an established run game. I don't need to say much about it. Brandon hit on it you want to win a football game, you got to run the ball. Um, Again, I think we're at a point where it's really split on the running backs and the offensive line. The offensive line hasn't opened up holes. Actually, let me retract that statement. It's been a mix of the O-line, the running backs, and play calling. Tom Manning is named the OC, but we don't really know who's the guy calling the shots. We never do. Um, I mean, we'll, I don't think we'll ever know who called the plays in 2018 until Matt Campbell retires if someone randomly decides to ask him that question.
1: That seems like something that gets released like 30 years down the line. Yeah. Just nobody really sees it besides a couple
0: people, and then it's just at that point. Just going to come out that Nate Sheilhouse was calling plays that year, or just some yeah. random thing. or. Um, but, no, and, and my main point is it's on the O-line running backs and – the offensive play calling. It's a combination of pretty much everything on the offensive side. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and the reason I say that the offensive line isn't doing a great job opening up holes, but then again, the running backs haven't really broken a ton of tackles or made negative plays positive, or when they have had the hole, they haven't hit it very well, or they just can't get past one guy and break a tackle. But then I also talk about offensive play calling, uh, running up the middle, just never worked all year, and especially last weekend, they were. Oh, you just kept blowing it up, but it just, we never tried anything outside or any kind of wrinkle. Um, no pitch, just nothing. I mean, at some point, the offensive line has struggled to open up holes up the middle. Your running backs are struggling to break. T- so. Turn negative plays into positive slash getting past one guy to turn it into an explosive gain. Um, so you struggle up the middle, but then we continue up the middle. So there's just a lot. If you can figure it out, if you can run the ball, Iowa State's going to win a freaking football game. It's it's not rocket science.
1: It's not like we're a really bad team. No. But at the same time, we're 0-5, and, and we're tied with Vanderbilt for the only winless teams in conference in Power 5. So. Yeah it's a weird situation this year and I don't want to harp on the same thing too much because it's been the same thing for the past five weeks. So I'll move into my last key, which is forcing turnovers. I think this is going to be necessary with the offense we have at this point. A defensive score is going to change things, especially when you're stalling out for field goals constantly. So I think if you force, you're probably going to need to at this point to win the game. And the defense is the most consistent thing about this team. So, I trust them. They're forcing turnovers more this year than they have in the past couple of years. So uh, let's see a pick. And we saw a fumble last week. So
0: more of the same would be great. Yeah. Uh, we're at, we're at a point where we're asking our defense to continue to do more than they need to do. But you know, that's where we're at in this season. Uh, I didn't put any defensive keys to the game. Cause at this point there's nothing more that I can ask instead of asking them to do too much and get in the end zone. Um, <laughs> But, yeah, uh, moving on to predictions, uh, before we get into Iowa State ones, um, we're going to do just Big Twelve scoreboard. Yep. Um, so, TCU-Texas Tech. TCU-Texas Tech, I got TCU by 17
1: in this game. I don't think this should be too big of an issue at home. Uh, I think the only issue you have here is looking forward to Texas for TCU, Sure. which is definitely a possibility with it being against Gary Patterson. Uh, I can see a little bit of that, but I don't think Texas Tech is all that good. Them playing off on the road. It's Texas Tech just, too, just it's, got wiped it's by too Baylor. It's two air
0: raids. Yeah. And we know which air raid's better, so. Yeah. I definitely agree. It's TCU. Um, as for Baylor-Oklahoma, this one's really interesting. Um, second best game of the week, in my opinion. I don't... This one's tough. I think... I'll go Oklahoma. I, I just don't think I, there's enough in me to say Baylor. I think being in Norman certainly helps. Oklahoma has hit their stride. Um, and I'm not saying that because they beat us. They just they figured some stuff out. They have gotten two wins. Momentum's momentum. Um, so I'll take OU. Yeah, I'm going to go OU here too. I think they finally hit their
1: stride. And at the end of the day, they're Oklahoma. Once they figure a few things out and get the ball rolling, it's going to be hard to stop. Baylor is one of the most unpredictable teams in the Big 12. I don't really know what to think about Baylor to this point. I thought they were really good after they beat us, but then, I mean, they lose to West Virginia, and they've just been kind of up and down all year. I'm going to go Oklahoma by 11 here. Ooh, there.
0: Um, You're fighting Lance Leopold's. Oh, yes. Leipold, sorry, guys, if you get mad about that. <laughs> I've,
1: we've had been having this conversation for a while. Is Kansas going to win another game? I've said no the whole year. Um, yeah, you're starting to convince me. I mean, looking at their schedule, it's kind of brutal going forward. I don't see them winning at Oklahoma State. I got Oklahoma State right. by 21 here.
0: It's in Lawrence, but that, that that makes a huge difference.
1: It doesn't make a big difference. Oklahoma State coming off of a 48-point loss with Gundy as the coach. Yeah, no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, this isn't going to be close.
0: Yeah, this one's going to be a blowout for sure in my eyes. Um, skip Iowa State, West Virginia. And without a doubt, the game of the week is in Manhattan, 6 o'clock FS1 slot. Stop giving these big games these FS1 slots. I mean, a couple weeks ago, K-State and TCU was the 6 o'clock FS1. Now you got another huge game in the Big 12 that's a 6 o'clock FS1. Whatever. Not that we can't watch it, but I'm going Purple Kitties, man. Let's Mm. let's go. Uh, Whether I'm also, I'm kind of sick of Texas continually going on the road and being favorites. I'm over that. Sorry, I mean they go into Stillwater as favorites. They're going in. I mean, you know everyone loves Texas, but
1: yeah, I think Kansas State's still a wild card a little bit. You see Will Howard have a really good game. How much of that is just the opponent doesn't have a ton of film on him still? You see that a lot in the past, and I don't know. I Martinez mean, is more reliable, which is weird to say coming off of Nebraska where he turned yeah. it over so much. But I also
0: still don't know the status on him. But the other thing I'll say, it's a little bit different situation, whereas this isn't really his second career start. Obviously, you want to look at how he's doing because he's developed as a player. But in 2020, when Skyler Thompson was hurt, he played a majority of the season for k-state as a true freshman so he's had experience there's film on him um whether or not i i think k-state will win i just want i mean k-state's a rival right but seeing k-state tcu big 12 championship game would at least make me happy after this year especially with no oklahoma
1: or texas in that but at the end of the day i think texas wins that game
0: yeah Um, But that's going to wrap up the Big 12 scoreboard, almost. Uh, Jumping into uniforms, I'm going to go all red. Um, I don't think they really like all red, so the chances happening is probably not very high. Um, I just, I don't know. I would have, part of me considered white, red, white, but I almost could strongly see that being worn for Senior Day just because the seniors love those. But also, if that's a 6 o'clock game, or even a 2.30 game for Tech, I could see black. So, maybe this is the last chance they wear white, red, white, which I wouldn't mind. But, also, it's been, you know, the last time we wore all red wasn't a good outcome, Louisiana. But, it's been a while. Just give me all red. I don't think it's going to happen, but I kind of want it.
1: I can definitely see that happen. I'm going to go with your number two option here with white, red, white. I think they're going to go back to their 2-1 and combination this year where they actually had things rolling, and I don't know, I could
0: really care less about the uniform at this point, just what <laughs> game. Yeah, no doubt. Um, player of the game, this one, I kind of struggled, there was part of me that was sitting here thinking I wanted to pick deckers, um, but it's it's hard, so the reason I said that was I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to positively influence a bounce back game i'm i'm i wanted to try my best but i just can't pick anyone in the offense i picked Cartavius norton last week and i was like eh, maybe a breakout which hey wouldn't it be awesome if we get another big time running back breakout against west virginia for the second time in a row will that happen eh, probably not but um i could have stuck with you know and of course i made the tj tampa pick one one week late or what no sorry one week too early but I'm going to go Will McDonald. We, you know, he got two sacks for K-State. Um, it's homecoming. He needs one sack to break Von Miller's record. Give the man his crown. Let's go sack man, sack king, Will McDonald. Let, let Let's go get you the Big 12 record. I honestly think this or Texas Tech, potentially his last shot at getting the record, and that's nothing against him he's just put in an almost impossible spot to succeed when he gets doubled and tripled every single rep. Yeah, definitely. I think I feel
1: bad for him. This isn't the senior season he was hoping for. Mm-mm. But at the end of the day, I think scouts can see that he's getting doubled and tripled. So I'm He's also
0: sure. been really – the one thing he's done really well and improved on this year, he's been great in the run game. And he's also kind of um, – you know, people – I feel like he's batted down a lot more passes – and a part of that is because, you know, if he can't get to the quarterback, he's dropping off a little bit near the end of the reps and trying to get a hand up. So, he's found ways to succeed, you know, people are going to remember Will McDonald for putting the quarterback in the ground, but Will McDonald has still been a huge impact player on this defense whether or not it's been that way statistically. Yeah, definitely. My player
1: of the game is going to lead into my score prediction a little bit here. Can okay. go Jace Gilbert. Because we can't score touchdowns. Sure. It's pretty simple.
0: (laughs) Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's fair. Um, Score prediction. Oh, boy. Brandon's going to get some chuckles. You guys are going to get some chuckles. 24-16 Cyclones. 24? Yeah, it's a lot to ask. I know, I know. Um, But, hey. Um, I don't know. I... I don't. I'm not gonna say I have a good feeling about the game. I do think Iowa State. I, it's hard to say you have a good feeling about this game, right? When it's been such a struggle this year, and you know it's it's really hard to pick them when they haven't won. But hey, just trying to send some 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 good vibes to the to the team. It's just. I get Neil Brown's coaching for his job. It's homecoming. The atmosphere is going to be good. That's I, another thing.
1: The crowd versus Oklahoma is pretty good, considering we're zero and four.
0: Yeah, and we don't. There's not. There wasn't a lot to play off of either, um, but it was still good. I, I don't know. I I just the twenty four is more of a, a hope, I guess, of it just clicking. Maybe some running back can get a little success. Just going to go twenty four sixteen. I think sixteen is really explainable. I think, if anything, 16 will be a result of maybe a short field or a busted play. I just, I think West Virginia will stall out a lot. Um, but, yeah, pound the under. That was the most stupid, what was it, 50-something? 50 yeah,
1: whatever. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. If we get to 24, it might be three safety, six field goals. But if yeah. we get to 24, I'll hey, take it.
0: It's points is points,
1: right? Yeah, exactly. I'm going to go. Iowa State wins the game. My positive self always coming out here. Yeah. <laughs> Iowa State sixteen to fourteen. Three field goals by the man Jace.
0: It's it's funny, but it's realistic at this point. Mine's more unrealistic, if we're being honest. I mean, yes, yeah. mine's more unrealistic, is it not? It's got to be. Um, I guess mine's more like I said. It's it's more directed at a hope that something clicks in the play calling's head. A running back can pop off deckers gets comfortable they roll again it's a not good it's not that good of a defense see the thing you can say a little bit is even though oklahoma's defense has been pathetic they have athletes whereas not to say west virginia doesn't have athletes they don't have oklahoma athletes and it's still been a bad defense so i don't know we're just we're just we're having fun right now kind of that's what i would say go into
1: this game with an open mindset Enjoy it. Don't think too much about a bowl game at this point. No. Just if we win the game, great. If we lose the game... Party like you won the Fiesta Bowl, baby. Why not? Why not? Going into Stillwater next week, let's
0: just think about this game one game at a time. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, we'll see what Iowa State can do. Just looking forward to another opportunity to watch these guys. Hopefully... Let's get a good night ju- Juicy Wiggle going at the end of the game. Yeah. I could get into that. A little darker earlier. Um, juicy Wiggle after going up 16-14 credit of Jace Gilbert. Uh there you let, go. let's see it happen, right? Why not? You know, usually it's after <laughs> touchdown, but I don't think that's realistic. Special history. hey, elite special teams, right? Oh man. Don't get me started. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, but yeah, with that you guys, um, as always, if you guys can make sure to go ahead and check us out on Twitter. Uh, it's at Side of the Storm. it means mean a lot to us. Uh, we let you know anytime uh podcast is available, along with additional content, including thoughts during the game. Not including when we were at the game, because, you know, I guess cell service got better. Not really. Um, <laughs> um, but on road games, thoughts during the game, uh, thoughts throughout the week, you name it, there's just a lot of additional content, um, and it helps other people find the podcast, so... Go ahead and, and interact on Twitter. It would mean a lot. Um, but other than that, I'll hand it off to Brandon for any last thoughts before we close it off.
1: You know where I'm going with this?
0: What is it? Seven? One week. Oh, yes. By the time you guys are listening to this, five days. Yeah. <laughs> and by the, yeah. Uh, actually, good point to make out. Friday, basketball preview coming your way. Oh, be prepared. Can't wait. Um, like I said, that'll be out Friday morning, 7 a.m. Um, so, be ready for that. It'll be a um, season preview along with a ooey-pooey preview. Yeah,
1: that's what we're calling them. <laughs> uh, for basketball, I think we're just going to combine kind of a reaction from the past game and then... To a preview. To a preview. Yeah. There's not a ton to analyze for basketball, and there's so many games. it would be looking at four podcasts a week if we did that, and that's kind of
0: a lot. Especially they wouldn't even be that long It'd- maybe be 15 minutes right it's kind of the same story and basketball is a lot easier to analyze there's only nine eight guys that play yeah so but yeah you guys um hopefully iowa state can pull it off this weekend hopefully the rain stays away i want to enjoy a beautiful 230 game um but yeah you guys until next time roll clones baby